Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. We're listening to Yellow Wall Podcast. Oh, well taken down by Mario Götze. That's a beautiful ball, and that's the kind of finish that you've come to expect from Jaden Sancho. It was sure, it was firm, it was accurate, and the keeper could not stop it. Delaney's burst in. Jaden Sancho makes it too. Hello all and welcome to episode 276 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko for another episode and for once again a win. Borussia Dortmund still one point behind Bayern Munich in the table. The title race still exciting with five matches now to go. A 2-1 victory against Mainz which was closer than it looked in the end. Matthias, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, Stefan, I'm doing okay. Sun is shining, can't complain. It's a warm spring day, and Dortmund uh, got three points. So, you know, and we'll we'll uh, we'll discuss that a little bit more now. But overall, uh, I'm pretty doing all right. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's nice in Philadelphia after we had a tornado warning last night or the night before, rather. Uh, it's now very sunny. It's almost too nice to record a podcast. But here we sit in our dungeons, Matthias, obsequiously recording the podcast for our dear listeners, which is the perfect segue for you because you have a couple of uh, very special uh, Patreons to announce. Uh, yes, so a special thank you, first of all, to everybody contributing, but or uh, just newest, or just listening, of course. Um, so we will thank uh, William Boyko. And please, you know, excuse any mispronunciations. <laughs> and Daniel Dredger, Dreger, or Daniel Driga, I don't know what nationality you are, but uh, Daniel and William, thank you so much for your support. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um, yeah, sh shall we get into it? Borussia Dortmund beat Mainz 05, the, uh, I think, 12th in the uh, Bundesliga table, and It was a good start, and then it sort of deteriorated, but um, maybe, Matthias, before we um, sort of talk about the overall game, maybe um, maybe just focus on the first half and then on the second half and then discuss it this way, I guess, and start chrono chronologically. Um, so, in the first 45 minutes, Dortmund were very dominant, ball possession about 75%. And uh, obviously created both goals, Jane Sancho with the brace, and overall a very terrific game in the in the first half. It was easy on the eyes. Mario Götze was insanely good. So um, after the yellow wall, really showed a nice little choreo. Um, what did you make of this game in the first half, and, and do you think the team responded well to the five nothing in Munich? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the first half uh, can only be classified as dominance. Uh, Dortmund were the dominant side. Mainz had, you know, I mean, a, a few little moments, but overall, no real chance. Dortmund suffocated them in their own half. They pressed really high. They pressed really well. And it was, uh, as we would say in German, Balsam für die Seele. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, it was very therapeutic after the debacle in Munich. Um, oh, no, no rhyme intended. Uh, the Dortmund were just so much better, could have arguably scored a couple more goals uh, to make the second half significantly more comfortable, as we will talk about in a bit. Um, but uh, no, I, I have no issues with the first half. Mario Götze playing lights out fantastic, and uh, but he is not the man of the match. No, obviously not, but uh, more, more on that later. But maybe, <laughs> I don't know about you, Matthias, but I thought it was a little bit infuriating <laughs> to see Mario Götze playing that well, knowing that he was uh, set on the bench against Munich. Um, but on the other hand, I, I thoroughly enjoyed to see him do a couple of moves that we haven't seen from Mario Götze in a very long time. And, uh, I mean, he had this sort of scorpion heel to Marco Royce where he just, you know, kicks the ball out of the air into the path of Royce, which was uh, a nice little gimmick. But also, um, even though the, the pass then didn't come off, where he sort of stopped right in fr front of the edge of the box and uh, sort of waited for his defender to react and, and go into a sliding tackle and then just stand there and see, you know, his opponent slide past him. That was amazing. This is basically the old Mario Götze, I think, um, in the, uh, I don't even know which season it was, but it was against Greuther Fürth back then, uh, where he scored a sort of empty netter goal where he, you know, had a defender slide past him first and then just pushed it in. And that sort of uh, took me back to, to you know, the Mario Götze that has, you know, more than just technique, but also the, the wit and, and the, the skills to, to really, uh, you know, make, make football look very beautiful. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of music. I mean, the, the, the way he initiated both goals, um, how he, I think in the, was it the first or the second goal where he received that, pass from from uh, Marius Wolf and then had this excellent first touch with his chest and uh, cross it over to Sancho. I think that was the first, right? I think so, but um, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, to be perfectly honest, but I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, in the uh, second goal, just this little layoff to Delaney, who made the run, um, just, just the presence of mind. It, it, it was nothing really tough to pull off but still um knowing where everyone else was and i think he could have had a couple more assists uh if it wasn't for the finishing of jakob brunlassen in this game um yeah just goes to show um how important he is for dortmund and uh, also just interesting to see the structure because he was obviously playing as a striker up top but um most of the time we found it between the lines um, together with Marco Reus and uh, Dortmund sort of made it their hobby in this game to overload the sides at the left side or the right side and uh, these structures um, worked really well but I think the one caveat is that or maybe it's not even a caveat maybe it's actually something positive because mine set up in the first half in a 5-3-2 you know the uh, good old Christmas tree formation if you will um or at least in the pyramid, and obviously just from a from a geometrics, if you look at it, you will see that uh, this will leave a lot of space for your wing backs or your full backs. Um, and I think Dortmund took good advantage of it with uh, Diallo even more so than than Wolf, even though Wolf had the assist, 
or, or priests. Um, what I what I liked is that Dortmund actually found ways to create chances because we saw um, teams, for example, Augsburg did it quite well. Nuremberg, obviously, that were just very you know passive and and just you know parked the bus. And Dortmund had hardly any answer. And against Mainz in that first 30, 40 minutes or so, they created a lot of chances, very good chances at that, and uh, also from open play. So that was very encouraging. Um, after we hopped on Lucien Favre and are still to hop on Lucien Favre in this episode. Uh, and, and before I think uh, it, it deserves some praise from my side that this Dortmund team figured out ways to, to, yeah, break down a very passive block. And now I will hand over to yeah. you without even a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. It was, it was very encouraging first half. Um, uh, the way Mainz set up, which wasn't necessarily the way one expected Mainz to set up. Um, the, the second half was significantly more typical of Mainz, uh, which is shocking in itself. And we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, overall, very, very good, uh, relatively comfortable. Uh, Dortmund played to their strengths, um, and showed a lot of class and, yeah, I mean, I honestly have very few complaints about the first half. We can be thankful. And I'm a big fan of Sandro Schwarz, but he got it completely wrong in the first half. Um, and that's what essentially buried them at the end of the day. So that helped Dortmund in the sense that Sandro Schwarz made a tactical error uh, that he corrected at halftime. And, well, you know, I, I think I think there's no beating around the bush anymore, Stefan. I think we have to talk about the second half. Uh, in particular, I would say the final 20 <laughs> to 30 minutes. Because uh, in all honesty, the first 15 to 20 minutes, Dortmund still played pretty well. They still were on the front foot. Yes, Mines created a few chances, but Dortmund did as well. There were a few opportunities where Dortmund should have scored a couple couple more goals if they would have finished off some of those counters a little bit better um i think it the the rest of the match would have played out completely differently but obviously it didn't <laughs> so um what and, and i know it's been talked about a few times but what did Sandro schwarz do at halftime that lucien favre acknowledged in the press conference afterwards but then somehow miraculously didn't know how to counteract in a productive way, let's call it in a positive fashion versus a negative fashion, given that he figured that's how Mainz would play anyway. Yeah, this is this is what really struck me in the end. Like right after the game, that's all I could think about. Lucien Favre, I think in the press conference, went as far as acknowledging that he really predicted Mainz to play in a 4-4-2 with a diamond. And um, this is usually the bread and butter system of Mainz, let's put it this way. This is how they play most of the time. So considering Dortmund now have a whole week to prepare for an opponent, it startles me even more so to think about how Dortmund had almost no answers to the way Mainz adjusted. And uh, again, um, we, we praise Favre a lot, but I think he and the entire team have to do so much better to counter that. I mean, it's... Yes, your opponent changed things up. They were trailing by two goals. This is to be expected. And you now have uh, coaches sitting in the stands, you know, with all the uh, 
screens and tools you, you could have and analytics and, you know, the communication between your bench and the, the analysts on the stands and everything should help you and assist you to counteract this and to see Dortmund who are playing for the championship failing this badly is just striking. Um, I, I, it's, it's just sad because Dortmund should be doing so much better and, and, and react so much better to, to such a system, uh, especially if you, as I said, have a whole week to prepare for it. And uh, I'm a bit flabbergasted, to be honest, to to see, you know, also the adjustments that Favre then made. And uh, I don't know, I, I kind of want to pass that ball over to you again, Matthias, because that passiveness and I think the, the label chicken shit football hits it here right again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, again, sad to see. And I, I really do wonder how long Dortmund can sustain that sort of football, because I think they're just riding their luck. Well, I mean, here's the thing that gets me, and and it really, well, it doesn't really bother me to agree with you. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you're a very smart individual, oh, but you. I'm 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 te I'm tending to agree more and more with your evaluation from our discussion from last week after seeing the full match play out. Um. The first half was Borussia Dortmund. The first 60 minutes was Borussia Dortmund. Um, because again, I don't, here's, here's the thing. We shouldn't judge an entire season based on the last six weeks, just like you shouldn't judge 90 minutes of football based on 20 minutes. That's, mm. that's revisionist history, which I, as a historian, despise. But sure. Now let's do some revisionist history. <laughs> um, it, watch me become <laughs> what I, Hate. Yeah, it, what I hate. Yeah, I'm going to hate watch myself. So here's the thing. I'm trying to express this in a way that <laughs> I don't necessarily give fuel to the fire of the Favre haters because I like Lucien Favre and I think he's a very good coach. But um, no offense to Hertha and Gladbach and Nice, but Favre showed to me a lot what Peter Stöger showed last season in the sense that he's a small club manager, if this makes sense. Um, the, the way those last 20, 30 minutes played out, that's what you expect from a, a club that's, and not saying that Gladbach or Hertha are small clubs, but when he was managing them, they were the smaller. They were never really the favorites going into a match. And so you're playing like the underdog. There you go. Maybe that's the better term to not be completely condescendingly <laughs> arrogant. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you didn't want to fuel the fa uh, flames of, uh, of the haters, but continue. So <laughs> underdog coach mentality. I think that's a better one. Um, because when, when Dortmund is the underdog, taking the Bayern debacle out of it, um, and, but I still have a point on that now watching this match. Um, you, when you get a lead, you then shut up shop. You play from a counter. Theoretically, that's also Smart. plays into Lucien Favre's <laughs> system. Well, I, I'll disagree with that to a point. When you're that dominant, you know, just keep going at him. But just do it. You said in you, theory, yeah. I mean, in theory. You can so, this space. It, it you, makes sense. Yes. Yes. But, but. 
But I'm also a huge fan of American football. I played it. I coached it. Prevent defense never fucking works. Okay? It never works. Every time in foot, in American football, you see someone go prevent, you know they're going to lose. Dortmund got lucky because Roman Bürki is the best damn goalkeeper in the Bundesliga this season. <laughs> I mean, without a doubt. And if the Swiss national team ever plays Jan Zoma ahead of Roman Bürki, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. So, oh, man, and, my and, poor, and, poor me has added <laughs> all these clippings here. <laughs> so, the... But it, but what I'm saying is, it was so timid. It wasn't necessarily passive, because they tried to actively defend. But let me let me go into Lucian's mind there for a moment and go, okay. So it's 20 minutes left. We're up two goals. We want to shut up shop and see this one out. Okay, fine. Not a problem. No problem. You're the better side. The the thoughts of taking out my right back, Marius Wolf, then moving my central defender, Akanji, to right back, where he's never played, and then bringing in Zagadou, who had a mental implosion a week ago, but leaving the veteran central defender, Uma Toprak, on the bench at that time, is the dumbest thing you can do. It is asininely stupid <laughs> because you're giving up any type of counter threat you may have on the right-hand side. You're putting a kanji away from his better position and weakening your central defense where you're going up against two fucking strikers. Okay? How? How? With Vaige and Zagadou... Vaiga, who is two feet tall when it comes to aerial battles, and ten foot tall Zagadu, who doesn't jump more than two inches off the ground, do you then say, yeah, that is a good idea, that is a good plan, we play this way, it's no problem, eh? I'm sorry, that is just dumb. So, yes, you're right, he's not the right manager for the future. If this happens one more time, One more time. He brought Uma Toprak on in the 90th to, minute for Mario Götze to yeah, score the last good. four Oh, minutes. yes. Fantastic. That's, that's you know, oh, freaking genius. <laughs> you knew. You expected a 4-4-2 diamond. I'm sorry. Were you going to play this kind of horse shit for 90 minutes? If that was the case? I'm. If it happens one more time, <laughs> that Dortmund is the dominant side... For arguably 50, 60 minutes. Against a 12 team in the Bundesliga. Against, nothing against left a team that's nothing left. If this, I swear to God, if this happens against Freiburg and Düsseldorf, <laughs> I will be leading the charge on Twitter with hashtag Favre Raus. Because I really like the guy. I'm a big fan of his. But I'm sorry. This, this is coaching out of fear. This is this is Peter Stöger crap. You know, this is this is Thomas Doll crap. Going back to 2007 and 2008 before Jurgen Klopp came and saved this club. It it just it was so when I saw when I saw that sub or Zagadou, I looked at my son and went, "Oh, crap." <laughs> 
And so it's just, I'm sorry, you know, about the rant, but I just, I, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore. And it's not the first I, time it's happened this season that he's no, a defender to no, close all the no, games. No, and that's, and I'm, I'm, in principle, I am perfectly fine with that. That is a sound tactical tool to go to, but not like this. I'm sorry, not like this. Then bring on. Bring on Toprak and take off. I mean, hell, take off somebody further up front. I'm fine with that. And then you go to a back five. That's that's fine. But to do the things he did to try to counteract the what, in theory, what Mainz were doing was just stupid. You you basically threw that switch. He opened it up to play to Mainz's strengths in that moment. They were hitting long balls, high crosses into the box and set pieces because they knew... Yeah, something that Dortmund oh, has defended also well in the recent Yes, they, <laughs> they couldn't defend. Zagadou is crap at it. Weigel isn't good at it either, even though before that he played very well. I like him at central defender, but you, how can you move your best central defender in Akanji away from where Mainz is going to attack you. If anything, if any, if you desperately want to bring Zagadu on the pitch, if that's like, oh, I got to bring this kid on, <laughs> fine. Don't say put my points. <laughs> put, put him at left back and move Diallo centrally. Or take Diallo off and bring in Toprak. But not this. I'm sorry. I mean, tell me, am I completely off base? No, I, th I think you, you make a couple of valid points. Um, but... I mean, we, we also have to talk about a more structural issue because Dortmund necessarily don't want to be as passive as, as they want it to be. But, I mean, Mainz started to counter-press Dortmund pretty well and pretty effectively in, in, a, in a way that, um, you know, they, they needed just, I think, five players to take out, I don't know, eight from Dortmund or so. Um, Abel Mescheros really, you know, he nailed it in his... 2,500-word piece of analysis about just this freaking game. Um, I think you can look it up on uh, BundesligaBulletin.com. Please do. He is uh, doing very fine work, and and he uh, showed how how easy it was for for Mainz to, you know, effectively employ a structure up front that sort of, yeah blocks every Dortmund player in their build-up and uh, then you still have enough defenders in, in the back to to uh, yeah either sniff out all the long balls or or the passes to Götze and, and, and Royce. And this is a problem that I don't even want to blame Lucien Favre for too much because um if we look at Eintracht Frankfurt and uh, how how easily they can play with long balls because they have so many tall physical players up front, be it Rebic, Alea, Jovic, you name it. Um, they, they can just hold on to the ball and and uh, you know carry it and and just you know buy some time for the rest of the team to move up front. And Dortmund don't have that. You know, I I remember still this one Akanji clearance. Um, when he was right back and the ball was uh, in Dortmund's uh, penalty area like five seconds later or so because there's just nobody who can then actively gain position if, if Dortmund just, you know, have to revert to, to long balls. We saw it against Tottenham so many other games and um, I think 
Jakob Brünnhausen had a, I don't want to say he had a bad game. Yes, he made a lot of awful decisions and he could have, you know, with with a couple better decisions, Dortmund would have easily won this game. We wouldn't have all this discussion now because it would have been an easy 3-0 win because at this point, Mind spirit is broken or even if they score a goal, it won't be that close again. Whatever. So Jakob Brünnhausen made all the right runs. Um, so... You know, I want to praise him a little bit that he actually was where the danger was and uh, he found himself in, in situations where he could have created something very good, aka goals. And Maximilian Philipp, when he was brought on, he was right away incognito. I didn't see him again. Uh, he just came on and then, yep, never see that guy again. Um, so uh, since we're here doing uh, <laughs> all this re revisionism... Um, in hindsight, maybe it would have been smarter to bring on um, Toprak and Zagadou for Götze and, and Brünnassen up front and just uh, <laughs> put some defenders up front so uh, Dortmund can actually um, yeah, deal with the pressure effectively just with long balls, you know, punt to Toprak or Zagadou and they then deal with the ball a little bit more effectively than uh, Reus, Sancho or, or Götze or Brünnassen or Maximilian Philipp would. Um, obviously never going to happen because it's also a very boneheaded idea, but I, I, I still think it's, it's a better idea than what Favre employed. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big problem that Dortmund, um, when they are pressed by any team in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga is a pressing league, we can see it how, you know, minds who are pretty average in, 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 in relation to the rest of the league, but you know, they, the way they played was very smart. It was tactically astute and uh, they could have easily deserved the equalizer. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit sad that at this point of the season, you know, match day 30 coming up that Dortmund and Lucien Favre don't really have figured out a way to effectively build a game against a very effective counter pressing. Now, um, at the same time, we also have to say, all right, um, Pischek has been out for 300 months. Um, Julian Weigel didn't really play regularly. Akanji was out for a long time. Diallo is not a left back. Um, Hakimi is out for a long time. So the, the backline and the whole structure of this team, you know, is also a little bit shaky just because of uh, how often you had to rotate in defense. So this makes it just a little bit tougher, I think, for this team. Um, to, to build from the back effectively and, and, and around pressing. And I don't think it doesn't really help that, uh, Myers Wolf can really be the, a guy 1v1. Well, maybe with speed, but, you know, he can't really dribble. And, uh, his, his passing and his, uh, I don't know, his, his chemistry overall isn't up to the high standard yet. So I think Diallo did it much, much better than, uh, than Wolf did uh, in, in linking up with Dortmund Arvo. I think Dortmund are stronger um, when they overload the left half space than the right. Um, it, 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 but you've, you've touched on it all correctly in the sense, and this is to, to, to play to your point, of that back four, there was only one defender playing in his natural position. And um, uh, I... The statistic that I heard from Rasenfunk uh, <laughs> podcast, so if you're one a German uh, Bundesliga podcast, check that one out, uh, were the technically first choice back four of Pischek, Diallo, Akanji, and Hakimi playing together four times all season. And that's, that's an issue. 
Uh, but thankfully, we have a god in goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Roman Burki, the, the saves he pulled off, um, quite amazing. That triple save where he literally stops the ball with his, I don't know, back, uh, backside on, on the line. That would have been the 2-2 equalizer. And I'm 100% sure that Dortmund could have not found a response this time. Just just amazing what, what he does. And to your point from, from the last episode, where he said that, you know, the difference about Roman Bürki is that, you know, this season he has much more confidence in his backline. Uh, you know, I'm starting to disagree with if the turn, the game turns out as, as it was on, on Saturday. Um, I don't think you have that much confidence in your backline at some point. Nevertheless, um, he is pulling out all the stops right now and uh, it's, it's just terrific to see and, uh, I think our player of the season awards will also be very boring that way because he is the most consistent player um, for Dortmund throughout the entire season and on such a high level. And yeah, literally saved Dortmund to win. Yet again, I think he had three big saves account uh, according to the last uh, big save counter. So um, yeah, just really, uh, yeah. you know, happy to, to see him perform that way. Yeah, and I think his confidence... I mean, he's played such a fantastic season, so I think it's almost to the point of he doesn't. It doesn't matter who's in front of him. <laughs> His confidence is so high, and 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 goalkeepers are such mental beings. Uh, it's such an extreme mental game beyond the physical ability that you obviously have to have. It's it's a mental game just as much, um, and he's just at the peak of his form. And he's showing it because it almost doesn't matter who's in front of him. He's gonna he's gonna pull off world class saves. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was, you know, you talk about the the counter pressing from Mainz, and again, this shouldn't surprise anybody because who's the manager? It's Andro Schwarz. Andro Schwarz is a disciple of Wolfgang Frank and Jürgen Klopp. I mean, it's it's that that whole mantra is is ingrained in his being and you have to you're playing in the Bundesliga you have to know how to effectively evade a good counter press now that being said Mainz also played really really well I mean we have to say it but Dortmund also made it really really easy for them because again the substitutions the tactical quote-unquote adjustments made just completely played into their strengths and so it just when I saw Witzel and Delaney become so passive and drop so deep that's also not playing to their strengths their strengths are significantly more getting into pressing Pressing the opposition. I mean, you were just allowing the Mainz fullbacks to just lob one cross in after another. Just put a just put a little pressure on them. I mean, them. it's just, it's, it's a little, just little not hard. a good look when when uh, your opponent in your own stadium. And uh, I've I've listened to the Rasenfunk uh, conversation as well, and I think it was the uh, guest uh, Jakob was his name, who who made an excellent point. Dortmund must not be this, uh, you know, shit on bed this, this much, you know. This is your own stadium. You have the Westfalenstadion, which is super ferocious, loud, noisy. You said to your advantage, you know, don't let anyone come there and, 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 and boss you around. Just go at them, you know, and make, you know, 
make the weight of the Westfalen Shatter and count. Make your opponent shit their pants. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, this should not happen against mindset. You are basically uh, corralled in your own half and, and uh, the, the defenders... Uh, uh, Hack and Nyakate and, and whatnot are all lining up, uh, you know, beyond the halfway line. It's just not how it's supposed to be in, in, in this game. And this is something that, that I don't really like Favu for. I think this, this cannot happen for, I mean, it can happen for maybe five or 10 minutes, but not for like 20 minutes plus stoppage time. I mean, come on. There's, at, at some point, th there needs to be a reaction. Dortmund need to find a way to, to break away from that and then establish dominance and possession, but Dortmund didn't do that at all. And this is just annoying. And I mean, quite frankly, uh, I remember warning a lot, you know, during the really good time of Peter Bosch that uh, maybe it's uh, not as, as good as it seems. And the, the problem is with Lucien Favre, I feel like we're approaching the same territory. Yes, he's getting the results and everyone is telling me that at this point of the season, getting the results is important. Obviously, if you're in a title race, it doesn't really matter how you win as long as you win. But, you know, as I said before, you're riding your luck against Mainz, uh, where it, it shouldn't be about just, you know, being lucky and having a really good goalkeeper. Um, it, it should be not up to chance by that much if you have such a good team and, and uh, have dominated the league in, in so many ways already. And I just feel for the sustainability of that because we all know luck eventually runs out. That's just inevitable. That's how football and sport in general just go. So um, there needs to be way more substance. And if you're outcoached by Sandro Schwarz with, with your Dortmund team um, by a ploy that's completely predictable, it's just not a good look. So... um yeah, I I'm a bit yeah. I'm a bit scared I, for 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 the long term <laughs> development here under Lucien Favre because just look at what Leipzig are doing right now, how defensively sound they are. They are going on the final stretch of the season and they're absolutely killing it. Look at Bayern, uh, who also have have found more stability, and then Dortmund, you know, they're just uh, sort of tailing off right now. And I I would appreciate Dortmund to. To finish out strong, especially when you have a whole week to prepare for every game. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that luck already has run out to a degree, <laughs> um, just given some of the results. I mean, you look at Nuremberg, Augsburg, stuff like that, especially Nuremberg. That's the one that bothers me because Dortmund should have won that match. Um, I, I will say, obviously, it hurts the fact that you have so many defenders injured. Um, that definitely doesn't help matters at all. Um, the, but, you know, a couple of things, you know, some people say, you know, mines deserve to get a draw. I fundamentally disagree with that because if you look at the entire 90 minutes, uh, Dortmund deserved the win. They played better for longer periods. Um, and then people, and I saw it far too often, Dortmund don't deserve to win the title or don't deserve to be second place. To me, that discussion is complete garbage. I mean, after uh, 29 match days, you deserve to be where you, you are. Exactly. A, a season is 34 matches if you have the most points and or goal difference, which may still be a thing this season. Um, you deserve to win it. 
period. Although, uh, it's not said, like a I, tournament. I'm I, I really not sure if uh, Schalke deserve to be as high as they are in 15th place. <laughs> well, they do <laughs> just because the opposition's so bad or the, the other people are so bad. But, you know, it's not like a tournament. I mean, you could make the argument that uh, Portugal wasn't the most deserving side to win the Euros. You can make that argument in a tournament and given how they, they won it, but you could also make the argument in 2004 they didn't deserve to lose the tournament because they were significantly better than the opposition. But that's a one-off game, and shit happens in, in one-off games. But this is a, a full 34-match season. Dortmund were on the high early. Bayern are in the high late, which obviously, if you get to pick between the two, you always pick the late high versus the early high. Um, but it's not over, obviously. Um, if I s- Seeing how Dusseldorf played against Bayern in Munich it, or... No, it was, was it in Dusseldorf? It was in Dusseldorf. Yeah, it was in Dusseldorf. Um, given that Dusseldorf is going to be playing against Dortmund in Dortmund, I feel very confident Dortmund's going to win that one. I feel confident about the upcoming match against Freiburg. There are a lot of, call them lame duck sides. Uh, there are more lame duck sides in Dortmund's upcoming fixture list than in Bayern's. So, um, I think it'll be okay. It'll give some time for players to get fit. Uh, Pulisic Guerrero are already back training. Yeah, that should be a massive um, boost. So that's that's huge boost, huge boost. Um, and yes, I mean, some people call me a Pulisic hater, and that's complete garbage. I just expect more of him, and the drop off is fairly evident this season. But the one I'm excited about is Guerrero, um, because even if if need be, even though he's not, wouldn't be my first choice left back. He would be ahead of Diallo if if you push comes to shove and you have to play him at left back. Also, um, if you need to do an in-game adjustment, you can always put yes. him on as left back as as Favre already did. Correct, correct. So, I think um, you know you get a, a few people coming back. Pischek, it looks like still going to be out two more weeks. So it's uh, ex- there's going to be more Wolf at right back and more Diallo at left back. Um, so honestly, the back four that was against Mainz to start with, probably going to be the back four for at least the next two to three I weeks. I mean, if, if we, if we're really so. brutally honest here, um, uh, which we obviously always are, is, um, it's also just quite amazing to see this Dortmund actually still in the race for the title, considering that Bayern Munich, um, you know, they had Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry as their wingers and up top uh, Lewandowski and Thomas Müller, who is uh, really coming in, in well um, as a number 10. And Bayern Munich right now, I think, have more or less uh, one of the best teams together, a very coherent team. And, um, you know, they're, they're playing well, but also just the individual quality is something that Dortmund right now by far just cannot replicate on the same level. I mean, you have Jakob Brunlarsen as your only only winger out there and uh, I think this difference obviously shows and then you bring Maximilian Philipp in out of position who hasn't played in a long time out of form all, all this yada yada um, they don't have the same quality to draw from and um, so I mean this is this is really good news for the Freiburg game that Dortmund have Guerrero back who is to me really a difference maker and that Pulisic he probably can do much more of an impact than, than Bruden Larsen has done as, as an impact sub, for example. So, um, 
it's it's very positive to see these players back. And I also do wonder if, if uh, Mario Götze will play again, if Alcázar will play again against Freiburg. But um, at the same time, you, you said you were pretty confident about this game. Um, I'm not that confident because I've seen Freiburg play against Bayern and that was a little scary uh, uh, looking at how Dortmund fare under pressing because Freiburg, um, they are not easily intimidated like Mainz were in the early stages. They uh, pressed Bayern from the get-go and I assume the same will happen Uh, for Dortmund so brace yourself for uh, not a very successful Dortmund game <laughs> I don't know I'm I'm a little bit uh, uh, I don't want to say scared <laughs> but um, the second half and especially the latter stages of the second half did not fill me with con confidence again it was it was a good response for Dortmund in the first half but at the same time uh, the the end of this game sort of left everyone a little bit uninspired about uh, how this Dortmund team will fare. So let's just hope that uh, Freiburg are the good boys they usually are for Dortmund and uh, roll over and uh, let them beat them comfortably. But uh, I feel like it's it's going to be yet another very narrow and tight affair. So let's let's see what Christian Streich has uh, in store for us. But I, I feel like, um, uh, yeah, it, it might be... Very, very gritty, and we will see uh, Freiburg that that plays like Mainz did uh, in, in the second half. Um, may, maybe uh, one one little reminder: Bayern Munich obviously had it so easy against Düsseldorf because Düsseldorf, um, you know, saved their or secured their first team football for the season on Saturday, and having then to play on on Sunday, obviously the tension drops. And uh, the same could be true for Freiburg. We don't know yet, but if uh, Stuttgart beat Augsburg. On the day before on Saturday, I think they play, um, then, uh, Freiburg is saved as well and hence, uh, might also have a drop off in intention. Uh, and I hope Dortmund can, um, yeah, take this as an advantage. So I'm very much rooting for fourth B Stuttgart against FC Augsburg. Uh, who knows? Also, uh, if Stuttgart win, uh, they, they might come closer to Schalke. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm here for a Schalke relegation playoff game or two. So, uh, just so you know, Matthias. Anyway, um, yeah, I, one, one, one sorry. last thing because, um, we've, uh, talked about Roman Bürki so much and about his development. But one thing I always forgot to mention is, um, which might obviously be a very big factor is uh, Matthias Kleinsteiber. He is uh, the new goalkeeping coach after Teddy the Bear re retired. So I think it just has to do with confidence and, and uh, maybe a better system, but also just a different uh, goalkeeper coach. Um, so uh, yeah, that factor should not be discounted. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it's, uh, Teddy it's, the it's hard for us Ted to tell because we're not on a track. Yeah, obviously. Correct. Um, uh, Teddy the Bear will always be a club legend. Uh, for me, the the thing about Freiburg, yes, they're always uncomfortable. They tend to ship a lot of goals against Dortmund historically. Mm. Um, I also saw them look abject against Mainz. Yeah, well, that's never... Um, we, but it, still, yeah. you know, I mean, they were completely torn apart. They haven't won a match in six weeks. Um, yes, there was an international break in there, but let's just call it, you know, five <laughs> match days at that point. Um, and, uh, Bremen were, were also, I'd say overall the better side against them last week. 
I feel confident. I'm not worried about it. Will it be comfortable? No. Freiburg and Christian Streich always make it uncomfortable. They also make it uncomfortable if they get beat 4-0. Uh, that's, that is the way it is. Um, I think the, the way the final 20 minutes happened, and I'm pretty sure the likes of Zorc, Watzke, and Matthias Sommer, um, and Sebastian Kehl, and so on, spoke with the team or spoke at least with Lucien Favre. I don't foresee that continuing. Do I think Freiburg can pip a goal? Yeah. They haven't, you know, they, they've, they score, <laughs> uh, not very, very many goals, but they do score. Uh, it's kind of a set piece, quick counter, quick lapse, kind of like against Bayern. Um, expecting Dortmund to be at closer to full strength, I think will definitely help. Uh, and also being able to break them down more. Uh, they, Freiburg, aren't exactly the most disciplined defensive side uh, because that's just not their style. So I think that does play into to Dortmund's favor and, and, and also Lucien Favre, the way he likes to play. I don't see Freiburg just putting everybody back and hoping to not lose. That's just not in their DNA. That's not Streich. So I think it'll be a tough match. I think it'll be a difficult match, but I think Dortmund will get all three points from this match. Interesting that you you mentioned uh, Bremen against Freiburg because Bremen obviously are the next opponent for Bayern. So um, this is something uh, to keep an eye on. <laughs> um, and I think then Bremen against Bayern play against each other in the cup. Is that right? That is correct. Wonderful. Uh, this this coming or that this week, but the the week after. So following the Bremen Bayern Bundesliga match, which makes it. Very, very intriguing. I know I said it last week. I said it to you before we record. I'll say it again. It's very intriguing to see how both Bayern and Bremen rotate. Obviously, no Manuel Neuer. Um, I think also no Mats Hummels, uh, at least for the match against Bremen. So will that be Zule and Boateng? Probably. Uh, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting. Bremen will not probably make life easy for Bayern. Dusseldorf seemed very uninterested in playing because they, they've achieved everything they hoped to achieve this season. So Bremen are still pushing for Europe and with the added intrigue of the cup tie following a few days later, uh, I think that just makes it for a, a potentially very, very interesting match. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. I mean, uh, This time it, it will be a little bit different because uh, if Bayern win, obviously they put the pressure on, on Dortmund to respond. Uh, this weekend it was the other way around. Um, so um, yeah, something to add for Dortmund that sometimes have crumbled. So um, yeah, I, I wonder how they will deal with that. But um, yeah, um, do you want to move over to predictions? We might as well at All this right. point. I, uh, I actually... Again, I'm not that optimistic here, and I'm predicting a two-all draw. Uh, I think Dortmund are going to win three to one. All right, yeah. If if I were optimistic, that would have also been my prediction. <laughs> At least we both agree on four goals. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Matthias, thanks again for uh, coming on and uh, 
for all your rants. Um, I can't wait for our mansion to explode with that escalated quickly memes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, please tell our listeners where to send them. Uh, you can uh, uh, hashtag that esca- escalated quickly. Where are your principles, Matthias? Uh, to at Matthias Huck yeah. on Twitter. Hashtag, I don't want to fuel the fl- flames of the haters, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter as well. If you want to get in touch with all of us, go to yellowwallpod.com or on Twitter and Facebook at yellowwallpod. And uh, yeah, subscribe to our show, please, on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you want to uh, help us out big time, then go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and uh, write something nice or so, just because that helps the good old Apple algorithms to uh, place us more prominently in other people's podcatchers. So um, yeah, please, please help out this way and... uh, if you want to be extra nice like uh, Danny and William, please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall where you can contribute financially. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be yet another exciting weekend and looking forward to talking to you or any other panelist who has time next week. So thanks again to you, Matthias and everyone out there for listening. This was it for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>